welcome to Molding Masculinity. I'm Tom McFarland, and I'm here today with Philip Sype. We're back after a little bit of a break there uh, between some life uh, technical difficulties and uh, just getting out there to see this movie. Uh, we we had a little bit of a break. Uh, we have some news uh, that I'm going to go ahead and get out of the way right now, first thing in the episode, and that is I'm going to be a dad. Um, we are... Uh, uh, my wife is 12 weeks pregnant, and we are expecting in the beginning of October. So that's the excited news on my end. Needless um, to say, I've already congratulated Tommy, <laughs> but I will do so again for the benefit of the audience so they won't think that I'm a giant douchebag. Um, <laughs> I was but, literally, uh, it was rolling in my head like, oh, wow, I said this. Now, how do I segue to Philip that doesn't make him look like a douchebag? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, it'll be really interesting to hear your perspectives uh, on things as uh, you go through the various phases of development and all that stuff. It's uh, it's it's simultaneously one of those things that feels like it goes on forever in in some ways and feels like it goes by in the blink of an eye in others. And so, I'm excited for you to 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 also get to go on this journey of figuring out why the hell the universe let you have permission to tell someone else how to do something that you don't know fully how to do yet, which is <laughs> live a good life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's been a journey already. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm reading lots of books, studying lots of things, realizing exactly how extensively uh, my rural Missourian sex education and reproductive education has failed me. Um, been very enlightening. <laughs> and in, in the future, I want to do some episodes purely on this. Oh, boy, do I have like, well, that and I'm also, I guess, supposed by other big news, I'm going to therapy. Um, and I want to talk some in the future about mental health and uh, masculinity and kind of how those things fold together as being now a very future father, I'm uh, very much wanting to kind of work through some mental health stuff. And uh, I have a lot I want to talk about with that that we'll talk about in the future. I, I, I feel like some aspects of this podcast may shift a little heavier into a parenting podcast in the near future. But I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, one, you know, kids do kind of reveal a certain, um, admittedly, somewhat unscientific uh, pull, pull back in an unscientific way, a little bit of the curtain on gender and identity and some of that in that, like even attempting to approach it from the perspective of like, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, sort of like guide them into being um, who they are meant to be without like forcing things on them. Like very quickly you realize like, well, how in the hell do I not force something on them in some sort of implicit way by just introducing them to things that I think are interesting, which are therefore informed by all the things that, you know, like uh, mm -hmm. you realize that you're uh, you're in this trap of uh, <laughs> not uh, either uh, tr uh, not attempting to influence your children at all, which is obviously stupid or, um, you know, inevitably carrying some baggage with you on, in through you onto them, which uh, uh, feels bad. So uh, yet, yet one of uh, thousands of uh, unsolvable ethical dilemmas that you get to solve in uh, split second decisions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Um, so to segue, uh, since, you know, I mean, we're talking about parents passing along their baggage to their children. Let's talk about a couple oh, wow. of parents who absolutely passed on no baggage to their child. Uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne uh, and the Batman. Yeah, we're talking about the latest movie now. We talked about the um, I don't know if it's not really the first Batman movie, but the sort of first modern Batman movie, I guess you might say. Like, yeah. Uh, the Batman 1989 movie, and now we're talking about the Batman 2022 movie yep. uh, with Robert Pattinson as Batman, and uh, yeah, very oh. interesting take on the character, and uh, some ways very new and very modern, and in some ways very much a return to the roots of Batman, so it'll be a really interesting conversation. A lot to say about masculinity and masculine identity um, in the movie as well. Philip, have you forgotten about the Nolan Batmans? No. 
Okay. <laughs> Not poking. I was just, I mean, we didn't talk at all about the Nolan Batmans, which isn't an intentional removal of them by my intention anyways. It was just, I don't, well, actually, this I mean, time. Talk- some about it a little bit we touched on it a little bit in the previous episode i think yeah because we were talking about billionaires and yeah how it shifted uh like a little bit you know i just you know sort of was setting up the like we started with the beginning now we're jumping to the end type of thing like we're we're very intentionally skipping well i wouldn't say very intentionally we we are skipping over the nolan batman which is a entire trilogy of movies to talk about uh you know maybe we'll return to it at some point but um, you know, but algorithm uh, enhancements uh, <laughs> will help us in yeah. talking about movies around the time that they come out. So, you know. Well, and honestly, one of my dis, one of my kind of dislikes with the current discourse on the Batman has been its constant comparison to the Dark Knight. Um, mm. And and I feel like it's just not that interesting to compare it to the Nolan movies, partly because the change in tone isn't that dramatic between it and the Nolan movies. The Nolan movies try to be extra uh, dark and serious. This movie tries to be extra dark and serious. And uh, it's kind of a continuation on that line. Um, there are some, of course, some differences. We'll talk about that. But I, yeah, to me, I felt like it too. It was just much starker of a, more interesting to look at Batman 1989 before we got into this obsession with being as dark as possible. And then this movie, they're wildly different movies. Um, but, uh, sorry, I've kind of sidetracked us with that. One thing, uh, I was actually very happy about with this movie is how, when it first started and we're watching the couple and the kid i very much thought uh here we go again yet another batman movie starting with the death of thomas and martha wayne and we don't it's not what's happening and i very much appreciated that but yeah right we also do we get this thing with him and this kid through this whole movie there is a connection between him and this kid um that i like i think it a big chunk of this movie is supposed to be about the growth of bruce wayne uh we definitely see like bruce wayne needs to grow up a lot in this movie this is year one batman he is still very mature he hasn't figured out how to bruce wayne while he's batmanning and i think he's been doing it for two years i think in the movie oh yeah you're right you're right yeah no they say that it's year two yeah 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 it's like i've been doing this for two years no changes so you know crimes still you know it's gone up you know, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the lines in there. Um, yeah, I, I thought literally like... yesterday as the time of recording. So. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be way fresher. I'm going to be I like am. way literally up to date on specific <laughs> like minutia. Uh, yeah, but um, I mean, it's yeah. So I, I feel like a lot of the growth we get kind of comes through him and this kid. And I my, I. This is the first Batman, especially in comparison to Batman 1989, that I really want to see a Robin. I think this Batman needs a Robin to guide him in is in becoming Bruce Wayne and becoming who he needs to. Because this whole movie is about him growing as a person. And that was why I really, really wanted to talk about this in Molding Masculinity. Because this whole Batman is about him overcoming himself and growing as a masculine individual um so yeah yeah for sure um it's it's really interesting i i also got that um perspective on it i think that um you know he is he has to confront i think a lot of things over the course of the movie has to confront his um you know the idealized romantic idea of his parents versus the reality of his parents and the possible influences and 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 uh, ongoing effects that that has on him and his history um and he has to confront his identity as a billionaire and what uh responsibilities and uh you know perceptions and assumptions that comes with that he has to confront um you know from the very beginning of the movie he's struggling already with the problem of he had this model of i'm gonna you know get this crazy suit and all these gadgets and i'm gonna fight crime and and crime and make gotham better and crime's going up you know like there's a lot of uh a lot of identity central central things to him that he is 
struggling with from the very beginning of the movie and throughout it and uh, where he ends up is, is kind of interesting. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite things about this, especially in comparison to the Nolan movies, even though we haven't dove into those, is that... So, Nolan movies, Batman, was really just a billionaire with a lot of martial arts experience. There wasn't much in between that. He He can fight really good. He hates crime. He has lots of money. That's his character. Um, this Batman gets more into the 1989 Batman, more into the comic book, well, like at what several of the comic book Batmans, and more into the animated series Batman. And that is Batman is a detective. He's incredibly intelligent. He is a brilliant engineer. We see Batman building the Batmobile. We see him doing nerd stuff on the computer, doing the 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 contacts where contact like, lenses. Oh, yeah. I loved. It's like so. Oh, which I. I thought By the way, was... I think at this point, safe to warn the audience, if you haven't seen the Batman, you're about to get spoilers. Uh, yes. no, we haven't said anything <laughs> major so far, but like, we're not gonna we're not gonna be pulling back. So if you wanna if you're, if you're wanting to see this movie free of spoilers, don't listen to the rest of this episode because <laughs> <No. laughs> uh, we're 100 getting into it. So uh, this is not a spoiler free zone. No. Uh, anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I thought it was funny. Like leading up to this movie, we were kind of uh, there was a lot of jokes throwing around the internet that like this Batman looks like the Batman who turns off his body cam because of and if a huge criticism I have of this Batman is that his his bat suit looks very SWAT team esque. And then a huge plot point of the movie is that he has a body cam that he uh, does and does not turn off. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, which I mean, right there also dives me into one of my first kind of I came out of this movie having a really strong criticism of something that I had a friend of mine have an absolute opposite view of the movie and a per, like how they like some a friend of mine watched this movie and saw it in a 180 degree different way than I did. I saw this movie and I saw something kind of like a lot of the um the name of them just went under my uh the the skull um Punisher, Punisher like the Punisher yeah. series something that a lot of young white men were going to watch and think yeah this guy is cool. He's stopping all these criminals like bank robbers and liquor store robbers and graffiti artists on the street. Um, he's dressed up like a SWAT team member with the drop holster and the body armor. And it just felt very propaganda-ish to me. And even the whole plot line with this idea of um, that he had to like threaten and scare Gotham into order. That, that order and peace is achieved by violence, fear, and, and, and intimidation. And that turned me off to a lot of the movie. Um, oh, that's interesting because I feel like, uh, like, I, I, I'm not, you were saying that was your friend's take, right? No, that was my take. Uh, my friend, who I think is going the same direction as you, and I agree with, I think I went into this with an expectation that kind of narrowed me down into seeing something a certain kind of a way. Um, I, so what I would say is my takeaway from it was uh, very much. They, they put that in there like that, that at the beginning, like, and I, I heard all that like stuff. It's like, Oh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> but you know, then he, in, in that monologue, he goes on to in that same monologue, I think even say, I've been doing this for two years and crime has not only gone up, which like, huge failure but like an admission of huge failure it's like admittedly like oh this doesn't seem to be working but like i don't know what else to do like type of thing and like i feel like the movie is him starting at that spot and coming to the spot like up to and and here we go jumping to the end of major spoilers up to the end where he where he knocks out that uh riddler minion crony at the top in the big climax of the movie and as the police all run up and he's like, who are you? And he's like, or the police all ask like, who are you? And he's like, I'm vengeance, which is like something that Batman had said at the beginning of the movie and him going like, oh shit. Oh, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> like that being a <laughs> yes. huge, like uh, epiphany moment for him of going like, oh, I, this is why the Riddler thought that I was on his side the whole time because I kind of was like, 
I kind of was kind of thinking he had a point and that he was right. And in some ways, well, and this is what makes the Riddler especially compelling and difficult to wrestle with villain in this movie. He does kind of have a point. Uh, <laughs> he's just uh, going about it in a horrendous way. Uh, but, you know, that uh, there was a part of him about Batman in the movie that you know, I think there's a deleted scene I looked up between Batman and the Joker that was cut from the movie, but uh, where he goes to Arkham Asylum to try to, to ask the Joker to ask, you know, to try to get into the Riddler's head. Like, where what is he going with this? What's he going with? And the Joker even explicitly says this. There's a part of you that thinks that they deserve it. And that's, and the Joker finds that hilarious and is laughing about it. It's very creepy and well acted, but uh, you know, like that, that came out in the movie the movie proper regardless of like this sense of like i'm not sure that he's wrong or that what he's doing even what he's doing is wrong which is like i i i walked away almost with that i walked away absolutely sure that the riddler was doing wrong shit but that he had the right ideas about corruption and calling it out and rooting it out and figuring out ways of getting people to recognize the ways in which like all these things have been embroiled with each other but not by turning into a, a serial killer of all the big important people uh and making a giant violent spectacle of it all uh that is not a productive way of going about it um but yeah yeah, I've been no, for a while. <laughs> no, but no, 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 no. I agree a hundred percent, and I think that was, um, it was a flaw in how I definitely went into this movie. I, I went into this movie thinking like, I because and this was you know conversations I'd had of like, man, I really want to like Batman, but as I get older, I find it harder to like Batman because, um, you know, Batman is very much kind of the law and order superhero, kind of a you know police stand-in in some ways. And so I kind of went into it with like a, with those blinders on. I was expecting it to be copaganda and watched it as that. And then everybody else was like, what? Do, you didn't watch the same movie as I did. And I really had to reprocess some of that. And then like the, the friend of mine that I work with was pointing out like, no, this is, if there was ever a Batman who was anti-cop. It's this Batman. Like the, he has the whole scene where he's in a room with all of these cops and he's just trying to fight them the whole time. <laughs> like... Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot I actually really you know one of the one of the elements of the, that is a very common element to me in Batman I find this in every good to me Batman series is that I'm with Catwoman like I like I, I kind of agree with Catwoman way more than I agree with Batman like I'm like Batman is like you know what I appreciate how uh, you don't want to kill people I think that's good um, but Catwoman is over here like, well, I'm going to go steal from some hedge fund managers. And I'm like, she's got the right idea. I like her. <laughs> like, uh, Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's really interesting. And like that, that to me is where the movie uh, like, and it's really hard. Like I, I don't want to overly get into the author's head, but it does get a little bit difficult because like on the one hand, you, I think you could write, the movie exactly as it's written currently from two different angles and it would look exactly the same to everyone and it's impossible to tell what you'd be going for which is perhaps the sign that it's well written but like on the one hand that could be very intentional in that well this shows batman's biggest weakness in a sense he is a billionaire and he is therefore constrained by his material conditions to be unable to fully go to Catwoman. Like there's this sense in which like it feels like they're really aligned and they like really have this like magnetic attraction to each other. And it's like you 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 always as the audience kind of feel like you want Batman and Catwoman to just like just like smash, you know, like go. But you they he can't. And you know it's always portrayed as this like, well, you know, but you operate outside the law and I, you know, really want to help or like you're in this case it was like you're gonna leave gotham and i'm gonna and, you know i'm kind of like bound to it but like in, in some sort of sense it was it's also this like 
but you're against billionaires and I am one. And if we ever, if I ever exposed to you that I am one, what would that mean? And there's this like this fundamental divide between them and he can't seem to go the full step of maybe I shouldn't be a billionaire or maybe I should do something ridiculously crazy with my money, you know, like, you know, um, figure out some way of like, I don't know. I don't want to get overly prescriptive with what, what Batman should do with his money because like that's a giant complex problem of what billionaires should do in the current system. But like the, it, it, it does feel a little bit like it could be very intentional. Like he's constrained by his condition as a billionaire to be unable to, to take that step. And that's where, why he can't fully go there. Um, on the other hand, it could also be that like the writers lack the imagination to <laughs> to even imagine that that like uh, like it, it also isn't clear that they aren't like isn't Catwoman kind of nuts like she wants to steal from a bunch of head fund managers that's crime you know like it it's not so clear that that they like agree with that that um you can't say that they almost accidentally stumble into that really profound point <laughs> but I, mean, I i also don't i don't want to give them credit for something they didn't do but i also don't want to not give them credit for something they did and either way you could end up writing the same movie <laughs> which is weird it is and i mean and this also kind of aligns with the story we see of the riddler and that like the riddler is very right but he very much leans into um what really kind of looks like a version of like online guillotine culture um this was you know really big in like right around 2020 of like you know people you know guillotine memes were the whole thing and there happened to be a little bit of a pushback from some folks on the left of like okay this is funny and all but when we start talking about some of this stuff seriously like we need to like process what violence in this sort of a way actually means and is and how it never ends up good it never ends up the way you think it's going to be um which is in a lot of ways is the riddler story arc is he he's a guillotine meme twitter shit poster who gets a bunch of people to guillotine meme some rich people um and it's bad. It's we immediately recognize, oh, this is a mass shooter just killing people kind of in wholesale. Well, yeah, That's... and look what the outcome is. Yeah. Like, he did de he destroy you know, he gets like there is some some good in that like um a lot of corrupt people get taken out, but like fundamentally the corruption at the heart of it all is still there. And in fact, by un destabilizing the city through that giant flood like he's he creates a giant power vacuum like they even call this out in the movie that has that gets filled you know that's going to get filled by someone like and they at that moment highlight on the penguin and you know like there's this sense of like yeah well you created a big power vacuum but that's just going to get filled by the bad people that are left over who stand most poised to seize that power because it's still there on the table there was no system of seizing that power and then distributing it so that people couldn't, you know, so that individuals and crime lords and corrupt officials and stuff couldn't grab it again. There, there was this sense of like the, the problem, the fundamental problem at the heart of the Riddler's model of the, of the problem isn't that he misidentifies the, the problem. It's that he misidentifies the cause of the problem it's like he's treating the symptom the symptom is that there's a bunch of corrupt people in charge the cause is the the way in which the system is set up to distribute power which he didn't change in any way he just blew up the people in charge with this idea that like oh but like i'll kill all the bad people and then good people will be in charge of all the power and then it won't matter that the power isn't distributed anymore or to the degree that he even thought of that, thought through it to that level of detail. There was just, just, I mean, this was, this is the problem that I think that they were fundamentally criticizing about the Riddler and Batman. They're both driven by revenge. And the problem with revenge is that it's not analytical. It's just like, 
there's bad people that I'm angry at and they did bad things to me. And those people might actually be bad and they might actually deserve bad things to happen to them. But the problem is just killing them, just hurting them doesn't solve the material reasons why they hurt you and hurt other people in the first place. The money, the power, all that stuff is still there and it's still going to just corrupt the next person who's in line to seize that power and that is the the big weakness of all of them and and why he ultimately fails to accomplish his goal because he didn't have a analysis of how to actually improve that he was just angry and he killed a bunch of people that hurt him a hundred percent. And and that you even kind of shed, uh, you actually just kind of shed light on one of my other least, honestly, my least favorite moment in the movie um, that I hadn't really quite looked in quite that angle, but I think you're a hundred percent right. And that is that last kind of, uh, that, that, that scene where they did, where he describes that like, well, now that, uh, you know, now that Gotham is plunged into chaos, people have turned on each other and crime lords have risen into power and da 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 blah 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 blah. It to me, it felt and this is where I think I think the movie could have communicated something well and might have been trying to communicate something well. And I but I think to the average moviegoer who isn't steeped in leftist political theory, it might yeah. completely miss their mark. Uh and that is I listened to it and I heard that typical neoliberal line that is that in chaos without a without liberal governance over people without an authoritarian system chaos reigns and people begin the purge um and that as a more anarcho-socialist leaning person is something i bought i i i have I chafe at and I have problems with. I Yeah, that was also the part of the movie that rubbed me the wrong way. It was like at the end, I was like, I, I was tilted by that. I was tilted a little bit by the fact that I felt like Batman fell just short of coming to like a really big character realization of like, maybe I should do something with my wealth like that is productive and good because like my dad made a bunch of money available in a giant slush fund and that got all corrupted because it didn't have it was too it was too much just like here's a bunch of power who wants to grab it you know like that was like it was too naive um and you know he needs to take all the lessons that he learned from this and they're like okay how can i do a gotham renewal type thing but smart and not just a place where a bunch of corrupt people are going to be able to just grab a bunch of money and do a bunch of corrupt shit with it, right? Like, I would have liked to see something like that, where he kind of comes into his own as a billionaire as well, uh, of trying to do something good with his money. I think part of that, um, like, in thinking through that, I realized it's something that I want to see, and I think it would have been good to see, but I, even I had a lot of trouble thinking about what would be a satisfying, like, you know, like, you start getting into the weeds of like, well, like what should, if I'm a, if I'm a billionaire and I want to do something good with my money in the current system, and I probably don't have the ability to just like uproot the system single-handedly, like, what do I do? That's good with my money. Well, that's really hard. And like, uh, I can see why it would be difficult to write a smooth, clean ending to like, what should Batman do with his money? So like, in some sense, I imagine the writers probably got to this end and be like, now what is he going to do that with his money is different? And they're like, uh, I don't know. We should probably just gloss over that. Like, <laughs> hopefully, leave it for the next movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that becomes a specific point in the next one. But, um, so there's that, and then yeah, the whole like, the whole like chaos and looting thing. Like, it it reeked a little bit of all the criticisms of BLM of like, oh, there's rioting in the streets and looting and the thing of like, it's like yeah, I mean that does happen, but like, um. You know, I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit clearer connecting of the dots because I think it left the pieces for that in place to like make that point where like why does the looting happen? Well, it happens because people who are um, in poverty and desperate and constrained by all these structures of power, when those structures of power collapse in a localized way, 
they go, now's my chance to get a bunch of food that I've needed for a long time and not get arrested. And like, yeah. And, and, and also there are opportunistic people who will go like, now's my chance to rob a store and get them a bunch of money. Cause like they're, you know, greedy or whatever. Like there, there's a mixture of motivations, but like it does happen. And like, but uh, you know, I think I think the movie, like particularly in the conversation between I, this, sorry, not to, I'm drawing perhaps too long of a thread here, but um, I, I'll wrap up the other thought by saying, like I do think that um, they 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 had sort of the the pieces to make this point about the looting bit, but they didn't quite make it like they didn't like quite like draw a clean line through it i guess and and make it obvious that like it didn't didn't quite come across as much except like look at all these bad looters that are bad you know for being looters um but anyway uh go ahead and and i mean this is a criticism i have of literally every single batman every single batman movie portrays the public the general public of gotham as you know rabbles of uh rabbles of people who are clearly like struggling and impoverished and like struggling with some real world shit it never empathizes with that like none of the batman movies empathize with that uh, it 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 tries to kind of you know focus on these big villains, uh, but then that's always just like the masses of people that Batman has to work through, and it is often really irked me about Batman movies. We see you know, like Batman nineteen eighty nine, the whole throwing the money off of the float, and people are going crazy, and Batman has to deal with it. In Batman Returns, we see him like driving through looters and having to deal with looters and that. Um, uh, and he, with that, it's like the idea of like all these carnies who uh, no longer have work are the henchmen everywhere. We see it in Batman Forever with uh, Tommy Lee Jones kind of has the mob, but his mob is mostly made up of kind of like these like, you know, random like just the the hordes of random seedy elements in the city that are like maybe the fact that people are fucking desperate and like i don't know yeah there's a systemic issue that's never addressed this, this segues well into the other point that i was starting to get to just a minute ago which is that i think the movie actually comes really close to making this point almost very explicitly and it, it by far is the most sympathetic batman as far as like the struggle of the regular citizens of gotham um go to anyone that I've seen so far, because that's kind of the Riddler's whole point in some sense. It's that like, this is like, like you guys are all playing your games, these big players making big promises to all of us. But then when a push comes to shove, we still just get stepped on. That's his whole point. And like, he makes a pretty dramatic show of it by making Batman go through the orphanage and see all these homeless people who are drug addicted and 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 beaten down there and see that right before he goes into a whole movie of his dad making a promise for a better gotham in the future and then you know when he goes to talk to the riddler in arkham asylum he they he even says that he's like oh you're an orphan like yeah what's being an orphan yeah your parents are dead big deal like being an orphan is being 10 lying next to in a cold room where you wake up with rats nibbling on your fingers and every day another one of the babies has died like that's being an orphan you are just a rich guy who lost his parents and the money makes it go down smooth doesn't it like you know he said i can't remember exactly what i said but it was something to that degree and it was like that's a pretty poignant point to make it's like yeah actually Batman isn't really an orphan in the full sense of that word that you really think of because he's not poor. And that's a pretty significant difference. Like, and, and so I do think the movie actually does try really hard to, it is difficult to tell a story in which the primary main character who is our more or less perspective character for the whole movie is a billionaire to then really highlight the struggles of 
non-rich people. Um, but I think that like between comments that Catwoman made pretty regularly, uh, you know, and between the point of the Riddler and some of the conversations that he made, I felt like they did a pretty decent job. It wished that the most emotional moments where that that problem and that failure of understanding in, in Batman's case, like a failure to fully recognize the difference between, you know, his wealth and, and that, like, I wish that that emotional beat had come perhaps from someone other than the psychopathic villain who is murdering everyone. <laughs> but I understand why it came from him in the context of the story. And I do think the point was made because like that to me was kind of the central tension of the whole movie was like the tension that you feel almost the whole time is like, is that like, well, the Riddler's not wrong. I just don't like that. He's killing everyone about it. <laughs> like, you know, uh, I mean, even to the point of making that a very central point of the main character struggle as well. Yeah, and I mean, with well, two things, uh, one, well, one overlaying thing. One of the things I really enjoyed about the movie is that it does an amazing job of showing overtelling. It shows you a lot of things about Batman. You learn through watching. Um, and there's two scenes that I think are well, two, one scene and then one compilation of scenes that I think are very, yeah, on that. Um, one, while he's in that orphanage and there's all this mention about like people doing like drugs, the drugs of the movie, I forget what they call the drugs in the movie, but it's it's drugs. drugs. Drops, yeah. Like they're doing heroin. It's, it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's a stimulant actually because I suspect it's what he takes and this is my point, is so like through the whole movie they're very much, you know, um, casting shade on this uh and it, well i'm, I'm going to use meth i'm going to say it's a, like the gotham's methamphetamine because this whole time they're casting shade on it in a very similar way that i hear law enforcement and i or even you know just regular people especially masculine presenting people often throw this kind of shade at drug users of like oh well, he's a meth head he's a crackhead he's this oh well, of course they're using you know yeah, those, those rich guys in office they all use cocaine all the time you know it's this like very disparaging passing way of considering drug users and then when Batman ends up in a pinch, when he ends up desperate, when he ends up with nowhere else to turn, no other way to get the job done and the day finished, what does he do? He whips out a big vial of methamphetamine and cranks it into his leg. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I hadn't really thought about that moment except like to think like I did have a, a mental note of like, oh, huh, I think he just used the drug. But like. I had never really paid careful attention to that particular aspect or like the, the metaphorical implications, but that's actually a really good point is like, that's the moment where he is finally out of options and he has nothing else. And like, yeah, he does the same thing that everyone else does, which is like, I need something to make me more than human, you know, to, to be able to, to get through this, you know, this struggle. And then the other scene that was just very brief, but I thought did an amazing job of showing things, is the scene where Batman returns to the Riddler's apartment, and he's trying to find the last clue, this, this, the connection of something. And um, the, the cop who is in the hallway points out, um, oh, well, that right there, that's a, that's a carpet tool that's we use to peel back carpet. And Batman's like, oh, snap, okay. And, you know, and he figures out the, like, that was the only time we see Batman in that movie struggle to figure out a riddle, which I do, I do really like. Like, I, I love that this Batman is incredibly intelligent. Like, I love watching him just, like, solve the Riddler's riddles, like, immediate rapid fire. That made me super happy, especially because I hate doing riddles and I didn't want to have to do it in the theater. You know, Batman just did it for me. But yeah, that, <laughs> that moment... I thought it was really important that somebody from a working class background popped into the room and was like, hey, uh, rich white dude, that tool? Yeah, that's something you use for something. You didn't know that because you're a rich white dude. Batman is separated from the working class and is separated from yeah. regular people of Gotham. And that's that scene I... shows it so well. Yeah, I know. that. I was thinking the same thing, like, the that... Um... Like, and this is why I want to give the writers a lot of credit, 
when it comes to some of these like subtle things and like want to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt because like it requires a pretty intelligent either instinct or analytical understanding of of the thing to to identify that the one thing that batman would struggle to understand the one thing that riddle would be like oh i thought you were smarter than that you know like because the riddler also knows that batman is bruce wayne like that's a thing that he figures out so like the riddler knows but even the riddler doesn't realize that batman like the riddler as someone who is working class doesn't realize this blind spot because he's so it's so obvious to him that it's a carpet uh tool that he just says this is my confession and he's like he'll figure this out this one's easy and he's like you're not as smart as i thought you were you know it's like yeah he's you know he is blinded by his own wealth to the final solution that if I want to point out if he had found that with all the police there and had looked and looked at that video, they might have had time to stop those bombs from going off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which that's why I was kind of expecting them to 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 give like a a, a more thorough growth moment when it comes to Batman and his relationship with his wealth, specifically because of that moment of like you know, it's essentially like the reason that all those bombs got to go off was because you're rich, bud. <laughs> um, but anyway, it, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, and okay. So a critical element that I really want to see as far as especially for masculinity. And, and now I'm getting to my speculative, you know, the nerd things you do where you plan out what the next movie is going to be. And then it's going to be something wildly different. And so then we'll have an episode where we rant about how the next movie is terrible because it isn't exactly what we planned and assumed would happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that, and that is, um, so this movie, we got to see Batman grow. Batman grows from being, um, let's be honest, a cop. Even if he didn't like cops, he was being a cop. He was having this attitude of, I just got to go out on the streets and I got to beat up people every night and then eventually they'll be intimidated by me and they'll go, whoa, I'm not going to do any crime because I'm afraid somebody might beat me up. And then that never works because militant policing doesn't work we see red states in the united states have higher rates of crime uh, per capita we see uh, in in cities and states that uh use those enhanced policing strategies militant policing strategies um it doesn't work crime rates go up um so batman has this realization at the end he realizes like oh i guess occasionally i have to save some people from a natural disaster and one of the things that i think he's going to make a big revelation moving into the next movie is i think we're going to see a big change in his costume uh, I, I suspect we're going to see some color brought in uh, a lot of the materials i've seen that were like uh I'm not going to speculate on that. I'm getting too speculative. But I think that he might, you know, change his costume to make it a little less SWAT team looking-ish. I think in general, he's going to try to change Batman a little bit, try to be, you know, a little less intimidating. He says in this, he says, I've been scaring the wrong people, which is problematic in and of itself. Is there a right and wrong people? But anyways, my point, I think the next movie needs to show the growth of Bruce Wayne. A big criticism I've heard a lot of people say is that Robert Pattinson doesn't do a great job as Bruce Wayne. I disagree. I think I do think they lean a little heavily on Robert Pattinson's um uh so Robert emo Pat boy aesthetic. Yes, and he's a great <laughs> fucking actor. This actually really pisses me off. The directors do this to him so much. He's a brilliant actor. I've seen him do great acting. He has an immense amount of range, but he's also just really fucking good at being that emo boy and so he gets kind of you know screencast as, cast, yeah. yeah typecast as emo boy but i think it gives a lot of position for growth we're seeing a very uh in his mid-20s early 20s batman which i think reflects uh, so much of 
Bruce Wayne in this movie, even though he's a rich billionaire and he's kind of, you know, he's definitely a lot separated from all of us. I think we see, at least I see a lot that I reflect with in Batman in his early 20s, in my early 20s, the same kind of like, especially this like angsty frustration at the system around you and how it is crushing people and how it just keeps creating these supervillains you have to fight. I mean, I didn't have to fight supervillains, but you know, it, it, it keeps building this system that we keep having to fight. So one of the things that he needs to do is learn how to grow himself because that's like this, you know, the, the early 20s uh, uh, angry at the world folks like myself. We weren't, we didn't have a lot of personal growth yet that we needed to go through in order to become a little bit more capable and functional and organizing and in actually building up our communities rather than just running out here with like a guillotine meme attitude like what we see the Riddler do. So I think the next movie really needs to bring in either Robin or a Robin-esque character. I feel like something we need is to see Bruce Wayne as this uh, Robert Pattinson, Bruce Wayne, have to go through the trials of parenting, have to learn how to be a better role model for somebody who looks up to him, um, and have to kind of guide a younger person through this world and have that give him a new perspective and give him a better perspective and change a lot of his aspects that then will change his Batman and make him into being a better Batman. Or I mean, like a better individual. Like not, I'm not saying better Batman compared to other Batmans. Just in sure, this universe, yeah. a better Batman and a better Bruce Wayne. I would like to... I, I think that could be interesting. I'd be a little bit surprised if they brought in Robin in just the second movie. They could. Um, I do agree with you. That would be a really good thing. I would, at the very minimum, like to see a growth of him from, you know, pure depressed emo Batman to um, more of a, uh, you know, um, a, a touch more optimism in him. I feel like the character deserves the growth. At the very least, I think I, I was actually pretty happy with Pattinson and this and even the direction uh, of this particular Batman. I know like, you know, dark, uh, gritty Batman is a little bit of a meme at this point. Uh, but in, in this one in particular, you know, I feel like a big and th this is where I think my you know, perspective on the masculinity side of Batman really comes into play is that like he what he he had a, a horrendous trauma like having your parents murdered in front of you as a child is obviously insanely traumatic and he was he had a lot of unprocessed feelings about that and he was pushing them down and turning them into anger and revenge and that's why he created the batman in the first place and that whole movie is about him having to actually face that face two years of behave behaving in that way and seeing its outcomes basically making things worse as they stated right at the beginning of the movie and having to go maybe there's a better way to do this and like yeah we've talked about that a lot in terms of like maybe there's a better way to deal with crime to deal with poverty to deal with the systemic problems of gotham and by proxy you know american society as well like the We've talked a lot about that, but like it also applies to him personally. Like he has a lot of anger and trauma, and he's been punched, taking it out on criminals with his fists uh, for two years, and he doesn't feel any better. He's still sad and has like crying black. Like I, I'm aware that's part of the thing to like make him less recognizable behind the mask. Like you know, don't at me on social media or whatever. <laughs> but like. Like, you know, like, it's still an, an intentional decision to make it look like streaked mascara. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, he's sad. He's still sad about this thing that he's had two years to grieve over and still, you know, hasn't gotten any better. And, like, Alfred's really concerned about him. He's like, you know, like, Bruce, you know, you got to be Bruce Wayne, too. Like, is this very, like you know, try to push him to like, you know, you gotta be a person. Uh, you can't just become Batman. Like, and the movie even has, this as a little sort of sub theme as well. You know, like the wearing of masks 
and the Riddler makes this point of like, when I put on the mask, that's my real self. And like, he's saying like, this is true for you too. And Batman actively rejects that. And at that moment chooses very specifically, like it's a big moment for him. That's a big turning point for him in the character, right? Similarly, he's also having, like when Alfred gets hurt, he has to face and, and says, this thing of like, I had to realize that I hadn't conquered fear. I hadn't gotten rid of it. I'm deeply, deeply afraid of losing people that I care about again. Like, and that's a huge, important revelation. He had to stop and be like really vulnerable. He had to be made vulnerable through a tragedy to realize the emotional reality that he's been struggling with the whole time that maybe if he had realized it sooner might have significantly improved his life and might, and it would have really significantly improved his relationship with Alfred because like he makes that comment of like, you're not my, you're not my father, Alfred. And he's like, I'm well aware <laughs> like that, that exchange is what super well acted and filled with a lot of like that painful tension of like, I know I'm not, and I wish I could be, but it's not my place. And also, like, there's this other thing. And, like, you're also not letting me in. So, like, I couldn't be even if I tried. Like, anyway, all that to say, there's a lot of that. I see a lot of that in a lot of men of we, we don't get a lot of permission to really process difficult emotional things in a way that isn't angry and violent. And we turn a lot of that stuff into anger and violence. And that usually ends up making things worse and usually ends up adding to our trauma. And then that fuels more anger and more violence. Like, And the way out of that, just as it was for Batman, is to stop and realize that it's not, he's not angry, he's scared. And it's okay to be scared of losing people that you care about. It's okay to feel vulnerable and dangerous and sad and these things that make you quote unquote weak, you know, like you don't have to be strong and invulnerable. Like that to me is a, is a huge commentary on like the way that like we as men process our emotions and tragedies and stuff. 100%. And um, I will directly related to this. My my therapist last week recommended me a book by Brene Brown um, that is about shame and vulnerability. And there's a moment in the book where Brene Brown talks about a story that somebody told her at a conference she was at, um, where she had been like d discussing shame and vulnerability, largely from a female perspective. And this was a male audience member who was saying like, no, men also experience a lot of this. And it's often it is it, 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 represents in different ways and specifically like he was talking about um and, and i'm going to use a word that i don't like using in this but i'm i'm, I'm using it to specify the, the the situation that happened uh he was talking about when he was uh in high school he was in high school football he was a football player and uh and i'm probably going to miss word some of this because i don't sports ball but um his football coach tells him to run up to the or like run up on the line and uh like you know tackle like tackle a guy and uh he has a moment where he kind of pauses you know he's thinking about like oh that's gonna hurt when i go up there that's gonna hurt i don't really want to do that this is his first time doing it you know he's like new in football and he's like ah oof, ouch i don't i don't know if i want to do this and his football coach yells at him don't be a fucking pussy and he he immediately says he's like well i felt shame about that i was super shamed i was i had just been ashamed in front of all of these other guys who were all out here being super macho and here i was just called out by the coach for not being strong enough to go in there and so he said i immediately i turned that into just charging forward at this guy full force full brute hit him yeah i just turned all of that shame into anger and violence and did the thing and made the thing happen and he's like you know what that was the rest of my football career that was every time i went out there and i felt ashamed and i felt like in insufficient i didn't feel like enough i wasn't good enough i wasn't enough of a man 
I went out there and I hammered somebody as hard as I could. And I turned all of that feeling into anger and into violence. And then he's like, and then after I got out of football, when I was a young, you know, after I got out of high school, I did the same thing with, with my wife. I did the same thing with other people in my life. And I lost all of these people in my life because every time I would get ashamed and feel like I was insufficient, I turned that into violence and anger and aggression because that was just how I knew how to express that emotion. I just didn't know any other way to process that. And yeah, I think that's, I think a lot of men deal with this uh, and, and, and relearning those things, learning some uh, resiliencies to shame and stuff um, and how to become vulnerable with ourselves, how to recognize our shame, how to recognize this kind of stuff in ourselves um, and then, you know, process it much better into much healthier, much broader range of emotional uh, capability and emotional intelligence is very important. And I think that's exactly what Batman is, or what Bruce Wayne is going through in this, like with that, I think he's going through a bunch of shame and it's, yeah, that same, like, yeah, he processed it into vengeance. He took shame. He took, uh, the inadequacy that he felt and not being able to protect his parents, not do anything about his parents' death and all of that and not be able to stop the violence of Gotham. Uh, and then he turned that into vengeance and that didn't work. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a big lesson there, I think for, for like, uh, to to me, this Batman, and perhaps it's because it's more recent, but this Batman for me, I felt more connected to in a in a sort of masculine identity way than I did with some of the other ones, where you know I felt like there was a struggle. Like when he was struggling, I felt this sense of like, um. I also feel felt his struggle and felt like, yeah, I get it. I get that. It's, you know, I, I could understand like, like Batman's such an extreme example in, in, uh, in a way, because like he has a very, very serious trauma, a trauma that is, you know, notably not unique. In fact, very poignantly not unique inside the movie itself. He's very, obviously not the only orphan as demonstrated by the orphanage scene um but you know there is this sense of like feeling of if i had that kind of trauma and i'm a guy who doesn't know how to process his emotions very well and i'm not you know, in the headspace of like, I should probably get some therapy. I don't have parents to make me go to therapy and I'm a young teenage hothead, you know, or, you know, very young, uh, early twenties hothead. And I had a billions of dollars at my disposal. I might do the Batman thing. You know what I mean? Like, um, it, it by far, this was the the Batman that because they made his trauma seem very real. And this is why I say I like Pattinson's Batman in particular here, because like there's a sense that I have with the other Batmans of like, they almost hide their trauma a little bit too well. It's like, it's there and it's an important plot point, but like, you know, we're really here for the Batman part, you know, like Batman's cool, you know, like this one felt like from the beginning, it's like, Oh, this guy's fucked up. This guy is he's kind of being a dick to alfred he's kind of angry and he's kind of like like it he was far more like not okay in the head <laughs> yeah in a in a way that felt real and actually traumatic than any batman i've seen that made me go like yeah yeah this batman i get i understand why you go to the point of putting on some insane fucking body armor and beating the shit out of like 20 guys at once somehow <laughs> and just uh letting it out like that because like you don't know how to process your shit and you got way too much power and money and you can give yourself permission to go be a vigilante because who's gonna stop you no one because you're a billionaire and you got no parents and you got 
no father figure and you've got a lot of trauma and like yeah and and to me this was like the first batman and i was like that's i get that i get why you'd go that far because you you're in that circumstance and you have that much trauma and i feel that you have that much trauma it doesn't feel so repressed that it wouldn't affect you or that you could just like put on this mask i feel like that's why i say i want to see growth into him being just i mean even just being the bruce wayne character which is also like i've always felt like there's three batmans right there's like bruce wayne the face the mask bruce wayne of like the billionaire playboy bruce wayne there's the real bruce wayne which is the actual person (laughs) and there's batman right and i feel like this batman had the batman and it had bruce wayne the real person who's fucked up and traumatized but there wasn't really a Bruce Wayne the Playboy mask. And I feel like I would like to almost see him gain enough processing and control over his trauma that he can put out a public facing mask like we all have to do, um, you know, to sort of get along. Uh, we can't be our fully true authentic self all the time because, you know, everyone can't handle all everyone's emotional baggage all at once so we gotta (laughs) we gotta have some degree of like trust and vulnerability (laughs) in certain circles so like you know you need your public facing mask you need your uh cope mask and you need your real self and that's kind of what i want to see it from him in the next movie is like i want to see him address some degree of like what how do i actually use my wealth in a responsible way and i want to see him uh uh figure out a way to interact with the daytime world <laughs> through the Bruce Wayne mask and and show that as a sort of movement forward for him in processing his trauma of like I can step into the light and be a actual Bruce Wayne now yeah 100% um I am excited for the future of Batman. It is my favorite uh, superhero franchise. I do, yeah, I think uh, this director, th- the director's name is like escaping me at the moment. Mark, Mike Reeves, Mark Reeves, Mark Reeves. I don't know. I'm afraid. I've used the name like a thousand times this week as we've talked about it at work, but it's escaping me at the moment. But um, yeah, Robert Pattinson did an incredible job. Um, I love Matt the- Matt Reeves. Matt way. Reeves, yes. I, I love, yeah, it's, it's a great movie. Uh, I think it does say, yeah, a lot about, um, as we've talked here, a lot about kind of leftist politics. Um, it says yeah, a lot yeah. about masculinity, a lot about processing trauma. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a thing with like, you know, and I think we've talked about this before in the show of like um, pretty much all media out there has some like problematic elements or like, you know, things that, uh, we kind of, you know, I, I don't know, all of that. Um, there's there's a value to uh, consuming problematic media critically and smartly. Um, no. Good luck consuming unproblematic media. When you find any, let me know. E- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, it's a good movie. I'm excited about it. Uh, any last remarks uh, you have before we... Yeah, uh, I'm, my last remark is I really hope that uh, just like like when they did the Nolan trilogy and it was received so well, they tried to do a grim dark reboot of Superman. I hope that um, Matt Reeves does not attempt to do a, a Matt Reeves grim dark reboot of Superman because um, I have a whole set of thoughts on Superman the character and what it means in 2022. But uh, suffice it to say. You can't do a grimdark reboot of Superman. The whole point is that he's a brilliant beacon of shining light who's perfect. Like, now, I have lots of thoughts about what that means in 2022 and why no one can do a good Superman movie anymore. (laughs) But I'm not going to get into that right now because we're trying to wrap up the episode. But please don't make a grimdark bat Superman because you are trusted with the DC franchises find another DC person like I want to see like the flash or something like give me a good flash movie okay that could be cool 
But Grimdark Flash could be done, but maybe. But, <laughs> you know, Green Lantern, I don't know. Like, there's there's stuff there, okay? But not Superman. Just just leave that character alone. <laughs> Grimdark Flash, I immediately go to A-Train and um, uh, the, uh, the Brothers? Brothers? Uh, is that the name of it? Amazon? The Boys, The Boys. A train and the boys, who is basically that shows Flash, and he like runs through like a human being and turns them into like a blood slushy because you know that's what <laughs> happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, something like that. You know, yeah. What what I'm saying is, I want to see the Flash make a blood slushy. That's, um, that's what really. we're that's what we're ending this episode on blood <laughs> slushy. Oh my god. Anyway, yeah, that's what that's my last remark. But the Batman, great. I really, I even though they set it up at the end, I'm really hoping that the next movie's primary villain is not the Joker, because like I love the Joker. He's really interesting and a really hard to process villain, just broadly, and he has lots of different interpretations. But I'm a little bit Jokered out still. We had so many Joker things, like, and the the deleted scene that i saw the guy did an extremely good job of pulling off a heath ledger-esque joker that was not cringy and overly like too hard trying to copy heath ledger but felt very good the actor did a phenomenal job if they do do it i will enjoy him playing it because he did a good job in the five minutes of acting that i watched but i just like batman has such a cool rogues gallery that is filled with so many compelling villains and like the Joker is one of them, but I just want to see like some Two-Face or some... Clayface. Like, I want Clayface, Clayface. so bad. Yeah, Clayface would be great. Um, Ra's al Ghul, like they did that a little bit in the original one, but it was a very, very weird reimagining of him. Uh, you know, there's just like, there's a lot of cool Batman villains uh, and I'd really like to see them do... Um, some of the ones that haven't gotten a lot of attention in the movies in a long time. Agreed. Well, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, if you enjoy our podcast, uh, please go uh, uh, support, not this podcast, uh, go support the other things that we do in the community. Uh, so that would be uh, at patreon.com slash red dirt collective uh, the red dirt collective uh, does mutual aid uh, events in the community does uh, labor and tenant organizing um, uh, I handle a cook for a crowd event where we uh, uh, teach folks how to cook for large numbers of people and like help feed unhoused folks um, we do just all kinds of awesome cool we do community gardens like I mean you point it you throw a dart at something and we we, we have a hand in doing it um, and and if you're like oh, I don't know I don't know if I like what you guys do I don't know if I want to throw money at that uh, then instead go out into your own community and find some people who also do some cool stuff like that and uh, help support it help organize it help it make it happen um, and if that thing doesn't exist in your community go out there and create it make it happen organize um yep so thank you all have a wonderful morning evening afternoon or whatever time of day it is bye